UFC 268 was an all-time classic that went out with a banger. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. Let's get forensics out here to piece together what happened. The UFC's fifth trip to the mecca of combat sports saw 14 fights with 7 KOTKOs, no subs, 7 decisions, 6 uni 1 split for a total cage time of 2 hours 53 minutes 14 seconds. Huge night for favorites at betonline.ag. 11 would see wins, only a single dog, Chris Curtis at plus 285. There were two pick'ems. Bobby Green was a big prop winner with his first round TKO of Ally Aquinta plus 1800 at betonline. If you'd have put 50 bucks on that, that's 900. That's a PS5, some games, and an extra controller. Some notable stats from a notable night. The card itself earned 2 all-time records, most significant strikes landed, and total strikes at 1973 and 2407, respectively. Kamaru Usman is a single victory away from tying Anderson Silva for the longest win streak in UFC history at 16, and officially stuffed all 11 takedown attempts, meaning his all-time defense record stands, and he earns our MC Hammer Award, because can't touch this. Thug Rose has now won three rematches in her last six fights with three former champions. Cheeto Vera had the ninth ever front kick KO in UFC history against Frankie Edgar. Shane Burgos and Billy Q landed the third most combined strikes all time with 428. Justin Gaethje has absorbed 739 strikes in his nine-fight UFC career. That's a lot of damage. The Chandler throwdown marks his 10th of the night bonus. Final notable for his spinning wheel kick finish of Gian Vellante, Chris Barnett earns our unexpected ninja shit award. Ninja turtle. So which one's your favorite? I like Michelangelo. But the stats can only tell us so much. Let's dive deeper. Hey, what's up, everybody? Jason with the before and after here. And I have to say, this is probably one of the tougher cards to condense all the research down on. This card really stood out with the best ever. So let's jump into the most insane fight of them all. And that is Gaethje versus Chandler. Well, unfortunately, there is not a ton of post-fight stuff here because neither man showed up to the post-fight presser with going to the hospital. Chandler did let us know that he's okay inside of an ambulance while admitting that he didn't want to show his face and still sort of did. Fudge. Try not to release what my face looks like. So I look superhuman to you guys. But there's still a ton of interesting moments to talk about before and after the fight. First, Chandler was a backup almost exactly a year ago, which feels much longer than that by now. But he was a backup for Gaethje versus Habib, and pretty much, Gaethje brushed any talk about him completely aside. But I just want to touch on your thoughts if you were to potentially face him. I don't know, man. That has not even almost crossed my mind. A lot has definitely changed for Chandler standing in the division since then, and it's probably this tweet from him saying that the first man to take a back step is a timid soul, which appears to be the reason behind Justin saying this. So I'm excited again to fight someone that I don't like. Um, I have no reason not to like you, but something about your face. And of course, getting the title shot over him. You know, just lost my last fight to Habib. He mm -hmm. retired. You know, this company didn't want to have someone fight for a title that just lost to a champion. It was all perfect, uh, perfect recipe for him to get his shot off of beating a uh, number five ranked lightweight. And in response to that whole thing, Gaethje would up the ante a little bit. He's going to turn into a wrestler real quick, talking about taking steps backwards. We'll see who's the bitch when he starts shooting for legs. And so while Chandler focused on their similarities, Gaethje saw it a bit differently. I mean, I think you can draw those lines, but at the end of the day, every athlete in this sport has a similar journey to what I had. We take fights. We start on smaller promotions. Fair enough to his prediction, the first round was Chandler's best round. Justin Gaethje goes out and won. So what then about Gaethje's title hopes? If I win, if I win Saturday and I don't get a shot, I riot. Like there's no way I can let that happen. From Dana, this could not be any closer to a title booking, if you ask me. 
it makes sense, but you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. Oh, and by the way, it looks like Benil will probably be the title backup for UFC two sixty nine. Do you plan on having a backup fighter for the lightweight title fight next month? Yes. Is it Benil Darius? <laughs> <laughs> then moving on to the co main event, while things got a bit spicy in the build up to the first fight, the focus was totally different on this one. So I just have to be ready for November six. And then secondarily, I have to be ready for Whaley. You know, ultimately, I just have to be my best version of myself. I feel the loss is actually a really good thing for me, and it's kind of like treasure for me to, to, to learn more about myself. Zhang made some surprising admissions about fighting on foreign soil this time around, which included a translated statement saying that she let the trolls get into her head. You know, when, when I got booed, I, I feel like I understand that it's not like they don't like me. It's just because... I'm not one of their countrymen. So with that thought in mind, I feel a lot better. Either way, Dana does not see a trilogy happening for a long time. How far is Whaley away? She's pretty far. And if you look ahead to title challengers, it's basically down to two names. I mean, before this fight, I was thinking about Carla before. Um, Marina Rodriguez looked really impressive in her last fight. Um, I, I would sort of maybe deliberate with the UFC and see what they think. But Dana is not committing to anything. A couple of weeks ago, we asked you about Carla Esparza saying that you know she was going to wait around for the title shot. You, you don't sit around and wait for fights. It's a really bad idea. Then finally on to the main event. Wow, where do you even start with this incredible rivalry? You've got to hand it to Kobe. Although their first press conference was held at UFC 244 in New York City, the difference in reception is night and day for him. Kobe, I want to ask you, you, you brought your belt today as promised. All right, real quick, let's make some noise on December 14th. You guys can't wait for me to murder this clown. How many of you came here to see Colby Covington tonight? But if you go back to their first big encounter on the big stage, even before that, it was Usman chasing Colby since he was higher in the rankings back then. Brazil wasn't ready for me, so Dana had to put in the U.S. Shut your bitch ass up. Well, there's a reason you're at the little kids table, scrub. Get used to it, Junior. And backstage, you weren't acting tough, were you? No one cares about you, man. Oh, you weren't acting Get tough backstage. You can't talk to me face to face. I'm standing in front of you. Talk. That's what I thought. And coming into this one, I would say there were two major narratives. One, Usman possibly having one foot out of the door with retirement or boxing. I want to be that champion who does it all. I want to do it on my own time. You know, I like, like, like Habib. That's how you do it. You know, even George St. Pierre, that's how you do it. You leave when you want to leave. And now, at this point, it's time for me to set myself and my family up for what, what's going to make sense for us future down the line. Uh, I mean, Canelo, are you talking about? That's the money fight, too. You know, I want to retire from the sport. I don't mm. want the sport to retire me. Sure. And two, Kobe's honestly excuses. Everybody knows I got food poisoning from the PI, you know, unintentionally, but it still happened. I was puking two days before the biggest fight of the life of my life. So my organs, my body wasn't right. He's a cheating coward, so there's nothing he could do that could make me respect him. It was just clear that the, the ref was showing bias for him that night. I mean, he's calling fouls that aren't there against me. So he, he gives him the breaks. He doesn't ever give me a fair shot at it. So And this last one I found to be far more interesting which was pointed at his corner. You know, in the last fight, I didn't have coaches to, to level me out and, and keep me grounded. They were saying, Colby, breathe. 
Dude, we breathe every single day. Why are you telling me to breathe? I mean, everybody in this room knows how to breathe. But then he said this after the fight on Saturday. Oh man, it was a completely different uh, game plan, different coaching, and they just calmed me down, helped me to breathe. If you were hoping Colby would continue the respects we saw in the cage, that was not continued at the post-fight presser. I can't respect a guy like that. I mean, go look on YouTube. The guy dissected everything that, you know, he cheats on and, and everything. He also has his feelings about who won, and there is a decent argument for it. No, I'm definitely not proud of my performance. I should have won that. It was, it was laser thin again. I honestly thought I had it 3-2, and it was very close. He clipped me. I clipped him a couple times. Dana is safe to say not on the same page with Canelo. I watched the Canelo fight tonight. He don't want to fight Canelo. Uh, Dana doesn't know that. He's a master at what he does. I love it and I respect it, which is why I want to challenge myself in that way. And for Colby, a long-awaited friendship turned rivalry. I think the most logical step is the heated rival with me and my old roommate, Street Judas Masvidal, you know? He should probably pull out of that fight with Leon Scott and we should just run it. This puts Usman safely in the conversation for a lot of people near GSP. Dana is going ahead and taking that one step further. If Usman doesn't exist, Colby Covington is the champion here, you know? He's the best welterweight of all time. He is, uh, is on his way to possible GOAT status. So with all that said, in the book of the body in the bag, let's look at some eyewitness accounts. With another notch on the belt, the dominance of the welterweight division by Kamar Usman is trucking towards legendary with little competition left for him. Of course, with Leon Edwards waiting in the wings with a potential win over Jorge Masvidal, there is one man who, despite not having a win over a top 10 opponent, seems to be on everyone's mind. Congratulations. Good job, bro, at Usman84KG. I'm coming for you, brother. I'm coming. It seems that even the bad motherfucker himself, Nate Diaz, could see Hamzat rising in the ranks to challenge Usman. If Ch Miv can beat Usman, maybe I can give shot. It was all smiles and friendship following the absolute war that was Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler as the two met at the hospital to commemorate the battle. The firefight was also celebrated by the fans who have now well and truly accepted the former Bellator champion into the ranks of the UFC's finest. Chandler may be one and two in the UFC, but I think we can all agree that he is most definitely who he said he was. I don't want to hear anybody talking shit about Michael Chandler. What a fucking warrior. With Carla Esparza seemingly waiting in the wings, it didn't stop Marina Rodriguez throwing her name into the hat for a future matchup with the champ and hoping that the division and her progress doesn't get held up. Congrats, girls. Amazing fight. No trilogy, okay? And look who showed up, unsurprisingly, to celebrate a fellow Irishman's success at UFC 268 as Conor McGregor had some words for Ian Gary. That's a mad saying, lads, yeah? I'm gonna go on and do this audio for this young man, yeah? Ian, I wanna say, that's a tremendous finish there for you, bud, right? The step-back-back part on all your throw. My God, man, what the fuck? Like, I'm, I'm all over the place after that. You know, I love it, mate. I fucking love it. The takeover part two. I'm in on that takeover part two. Yeah, you've got me coming back for that, yeah? We'll be back for that. I'm all over that takeover part two, yeah? After that Chandler Gaethje fight, I wouldn't rush a return to the lightweight division if I were him. Now that we've looked everything over, it's time for a final analysis. Simply put, UFC 268 was an instant classic. Two high-stakes rematches for gold, and a roof-demolishing opener that might as well have been. The fight was so amazing, fans barely registered the war between Shane Burgos and Billy Q directly after. When Marlon Vera front-kick KOing Frankie Edgar is just a footnote on your night, you know it was a wild one. And that's not even taking into account the six straight KOTKOs that occurred on the prelims. There's too much to say, and not enough 
enough words here to say it. Kamar Usman's status as an all-time great is now firmly in place, and dare I say Covington may have endeared himself to the fan base by being an actual human after the fight, a respect he most certainly deserves for taking Usman to the brink twice now. Thug Rose yet again showed why she is the best at strawweight, and I'm not just talking about right now, but ever. And what can even be said about Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler? They're going to the Hall of Fame for that fight. Lightweight was already on fire. Those two dumped a thousand gallons of gasoline on it. What a time to be a fan of mixed martial arts. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.